It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. And don't forget, we're doing a Billy C. get-together at Sal's on Saturday, April 4th. Uh, if you want to be part of it, or at least be, you're, you're welcome to, to be part of it. Just swing by. Uh, but uh, if you want to be part of our... Uh, entourage? Yeah. Uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. That's my radio voice. Uh, and today's show is also being brought to us in part uh, by the Title Bout Championship computer game. Uh, if you're looking uh, for a decent game. Now, it's not a, a, v- a video-oriented game. It's, uh, uh, it's more of a hey, let's see how Rocky Marciano would have fared against Vladimir Klitschko type of a game. Um, love it. Get yourself a copy. You can go to our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner. Today's show is also being brought to us uh, in part by the Southern Gourmet Spice Company. Check it out, www.southerngourmetspice.com. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week boxing channel. That's right, Billy C. Boxing uh, is available on all the major streaming devices, uh, including uh, Roku. Uh, Just visit GinecoUSA.com and sign up today. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Bettest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now. While you're watching or listening to this very show, just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molyneux's story told. And until everyone I know has a copy, I'm going to still talk about it. So anyway, um, coming up on the show today, uh, well, uh, let me just get right into it. You know, I, I, I was watching the fights last night and... You know, Danny Garcia uh, against uh, Ivan uh, Redcatch and, and of course, uh, the return of uh, Jarrett Hurd uh, going up against uh, uh, Francisco Santana. And, you know, I, I, I tell you the truth. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I was extremely disappointed in both fights. And, I, and I'll tell you why. First and foremost, Showtime. Okay, Showtime. Uh, boxing, championship boxing. This was not uh, an a a uh, what do they what do they call it the uh, uh, after, uh, what was what's their uh, show box? This wasn't a show box where you're you're seeing a couple of young up and coming fighters fighting each other. No, this is supposed to be top fights, right? And now they don't have HBO anymore to compete. And what do we get? 
We get Danny Garcia. Uh, just uh, we got two glorified sparring sessions. That's what we got. You know, and, and I and I have to ask myself, what's happened to the sport of boxing? When you watch a premier cable network and you tune in to watch a, a, a fight and you get in a sparring match. You know, the, the, the problem I have is simply this. You know, we get into this, this conversation about what was a better era, boxing of yesteryear or, or, you know, boxing today or whatever. And the realistic part of it is that you can look at the athletes of today in any sport, the athletes the athleticism, the size, the training methods, the nutritional uh, improvements o- over the last, you know, 20 years even, uh, let alone the last 50. Uh, but all of this, it, it honestly, equals better athletes. I mean, you know, I, I don't care how much of an, an old-time, uh, uh, you know, sport fan you are, like myself. I mean, I love the the historical aspects of, of boxing, plus all sports, but um, and I love the way the games and, and fights were were done back in the day, so to speak. But I can't argue that the nutritional advances and the training techniques and, and just humans in nature have become improved. But with that said, you know, I, it, boxing specifically, you know, here we have these better athletes um, and, you know, we're always looking for an edge, so to speak. And because we as, as a society have become weak mentally, uh, you know, this everyone gets a trophy type of a mentality, this, this let's not offend anybody uh, type of thought process, et cetera, et cetera, what we end up with is basically a, a, a sport, all sports, are an entertainment aspect, right? I mean, all sports are entertainment. Now, at least in this country, uh, you're not forced into any kind of um, job, really, let alone uh, uh, sports. So if you're not willing to do what the sport entails, then don't do it. You know, if you don't want to get tackled, don't become a football player. You know, if you don't want to hit a baseball, don't become a baseball player. And if you don't want to fight, don't become a fighter. And what we see today is, you know, we see these fights like we had to sit through and sleep through, I should say, last night on a major cable network that boasts about having major fights. And we had two, at, well, I'm not going to count the third fight, but the two main and co-main events were mismatches, 100%, 100% mismatches. And we, we watch it on prime time through a, a, a top cable company. And then you have to listen to that Morio Ronaldo, which is just, I, I want a puke bucket every time I see him. And you know what? And, and you know, I had somebody even email me, oh, the poor guy battling depression. Who gives a rat's ass about him and his depression? We're all depressed. You know, life is depressing. You know, I, I don't want to see a show about Morio Ronaldo and his depression. I could give a rat's ass about Ronaldo. Okay, it's nothing less than, listen, he's doing a job, let him do his job. Let him call the fights. You know, I don't want to hear, he hit the deck like a car dealer. I, I, give me a, come on, he's so stupid. This guy doesn't know, I, I, I'm telling you, it, it ruins the broadcast. 
And when you're listening to a guy like that and you're being subjected to a fight like either Herd Santana or Garcia Redcatch, it makes me sick, all right? And if you want to compare errors, which really, it's hard to compare, but when you look at these other fighters and you go through the, 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 the greats of yesteryear, Sugar Ray Robinson, Joe Lewis, uh, Archie Moore, Julio Cesar Chavez, uh, senior that is, Roberto Duran, you know, Harry Greb, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, these fighters, okay, yes, back in the day in the Sugar Ray Robinson era, okay, these guys fought a lot uh, more. I mean, Sugar Ray Robinson had a career record, 174 wins, 19 losses, and six draws. And, of course, the unknowledgeable uh, youth of today that watches boxing will say to me, <laughs> and really believing it, well, the guy had 19 losses. How, how good could he be? Well, you know, he fought everybody. Um, you know, there were only 10 contenders. Uh, he was a world champion in multiple divisions, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the key here is this. The reality here is this. You know, back in those days, those fighters fought tune-up fights. They fought basically sparring matches. And, um, you know, they counted. So a guy that might fight back in those days, if they fight uh, once a month or in some cases twice a month, uh, Harry Greb used to fight every week. You know, uh, Harry Greb's... Uh, uh, record 262 wins, 17 losses, and 18 draws. I mean, you know, uh, give me a break, right? Uh, you you want to even get into a conversation about comparing him with anybody you can choose today? But anyway, I'd be lying if I said that every one of those fights, all, uh, you know, close to 300 professional fights that Harry Greb had, or, uh, you know, taking a look at, at Sugar Ray Robinson and, and, you know, his 200 and some odd fights that he had, that every single one of them was against, you know, a top-notch opponent. That's false. That wasn't the case, okay? Um, the way it averaged out, if you dissect their records like I have, um, the truth of the matter is, is they most likely would have fought four to six top quality fights in one year um the rest of those fights whether they were fighting every week or every month were against you know similar matchups like what we had to sit through last night my point is that all we see today from fighters is two fights a year maybe three if they're going for fight at a year award um and fighter of the year award, if, if a fighter fights four times, it's a, it's a, you're going to get it. You know, if you fight four times and you're a Danny Garcia, you know, uh, people are going to say, you, you, you know, fighter of the year, fighter of the year. He fought four times. Ooh, Harry Greb fought four times in a month. You know, but my point is, is that of those two or three fights, let's say, you know, to get a fight like the ones we saw last night, uh as counting as as a real fight is sad and it's a joke what's happened to this sport when we can turn around and look at a fight like that and count it as a real fight and then to make things worse there weren't even great performances you know Danny Garcia should have stopped red catch there's no question did you did I, I, did anybody notice the size differences between Danny Garcia and red catch and 
Jared Hurd and Santana. I mean, uh, you know, not only are they fighting fighters that don't possess the same skill level as them, but they were also fighting fighters that had to come up and wait to fight them. You know, so, I, I mean, you might as well, why fight the fight? And then either neither one of them can stop their opponent? You know, uh, Jared Hurd, uh, practice and stuff, I mean, give him a pass, I guess. You know, he's got a, a, a new trainer. He's trying a new style. Um, and, and he went through the motions. Um, you know, 97-92, 99-90 were the way the three judges scored uh, the unanimous decision win for Jared Hurd, who improved to 25-1 and with 16 knockouts. Uh, Santana loses his ninth fight of his career, 25 wins, nine losses, and a draw. Um, you know, did, did that type of a fight... Is it justified to be on Showtime? I mean, if we're going to put Showtime on a pedestal, if we're going to make Showtime be, you know, a top uh, uh, network for for only the best fights, like they would suggest, uh, you put Jared Hurd against Santana and let's try a jab tonight type of a game plan on on championship boxing, Showtime championship boxing, that that makes it to that level? You know, and, and Danny Garcia, granted, he was looking for a fight with Errol Spence. And, uh, you know, Errol Spence had to go and get wasted and crash his car and jeopardize his whole career. You know, there's another stupid kid that uh, doesn't realize what, what he's doing. Um, and, uh, you know, you could give Garcia a pass and you could say, well, he was going to fight Errol Spence. They didn't want to lose the date. He was training. He was this. He was that. Let's give him red catch. And then he can't even put him away. I mean, uh, the, you know, he improved to 36-2 and two with 21 knockouts. 118-110, 117-111 twice. Did he dominate? Yes. He dominated the fight. Um, but, uh, but he didn't put him away. He had him rocked. There was two rounds I'm watching uh, red catch go back to his, his corner. And uh, uh, again, you know... I, you know, Benji Estevides, uh, or Estevis, I'm sorry, um, you know, he could have stopped the fight. I mean, when a fighter is staggering back to his corner and his legs aren't under him and he's taking a beating and he sustains a cut, et cetera, et cetera, he could stop the fight, you know? And, and it's just, it's very disheartening to watch uh, this, what we see. And then what makes it even worse isn't so much the performance but it's the way the fan reacts. Some fans, they think this is great. They think this is boxing. You know, I mean, uh, you know, like they were talking last night about, you know, when a fighter gets a loss. They were, they were talking about Jared Hurd specifically. Oh, a fighter gets a loss. Boxing fans don't accept a loss. You know, they accept losses in MMA, but they don't accept losses in boxing. And, and you know, there lies the problem. What we have is we have a, a, a new generation of boxing fan that's coming up that just doesn't understand the sport. And, you know, it, it, it's, you know it, it's, it is entertainment. So you give the people what they want. So if they're going to keep paying to, to subscribe to, a, uh, to a, uh, uh, a cable network like Showtime or whatever, and they keep and they're happy with what they're getting. We're gonna keep getting it. We're gonna keep getting it. Now, don't get me wrong. We do see some good fights. 
there have been some decent matchups. But the PBC, which was last night, they're usually not among that, uh, you know, in that discussion, I should say. Um, you know, these are fighters that, you know, are, are it's, they're, they're scammers, all right? They're scammers. How about, how about this? How about Andy Ruiz Jr., okay? I don't know if you caught this, but Andy Ruiz Jr. fired his trainer, right? Fired his trainer. Uh, Manny Robles, who's a who's a uh, a good trainer, regarded trainer. Now we all know that uh, a- Andy Ruiz came in out of shape, uh, and he said, "Well, you know, he admitted, well, you know, I was partying too much, this and that, and the other thing." Well, Al Heyman, who had just signed him, tells them that they got to fire him because they don't want to risk uh, that kind of a performance again. Now, since when does the trainer? get blamed for a fighter who's not showing up to the gym and not, uh, you know, doing what he's supposed to do. You know, I, and and the, the problem I have isn't with changing a trainer, even though I've mentioned many times that I, I like when fighters stick with, with their trainer, um, you know, especially once they've become successful. But it's the mentality that, you know, let's make it better for you. It's not your fault just like I opened the show saying all kids today get participation trophies, what has happened as we as a society are not held accountable for our own actions. And boxing is no different. Andy Ruiz Jr. stepped into the ring overweight. He didn't train hard. He was in a rematch. He was in realistically the fight of his life. And he falls flat on his face and loses. And rather than put the blame on himself, which he actually tried to do, his his so-called manager, Al Heyman, says, well, it's the trainer's fault. Fire him. Get yourself a new trainer. You know, so, what, when does the accountability of our own actions be put on our shoulders? It's a great question for uh, my man, Sal Rocky Senecola, who joins us right now. Good morning, Sal. Hey, good morning, Billy C. How are you and all my, our fans out there? Well, hopefully they're all good, and uh, I'm very well, thank you. I'm just a little disgusted with the fights from last night. But before I get into that, um, you know, I, I was using, basically what I'm saying is that, you know, um, the performances, I, I'll go back, okay, because it's not fair. I, I threw you in to the uh, fighters not holding themselves accountable um, and uh, the, 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 the story, so to speak, that I told was Andy Ruiz was told by his manager, Al Heyman, to fire the trainer because they don't want uh, to risk uh, that type of a performance that he had against Anthony Joshua to happen again. My point is, is it really the trainer's fault or is it just another way uh, that society has changed where we don't hold ourselves accountable anymore? No, I think you made it a very good point because there's accountability across the board on all levels. And, uh, you know, somebody's got to answer. It just can't be deflected off one shield onto the next. And uh, that's what I see happening over and over again. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely say that accountability is number one. Or something's not working you got to be smart enough to say, hey, I realize that I, I could have fought a different fight or better. Um, 
felt we, I, I could have been better trained for this fight, and I'm going to try something new. That's, it's, it's the only thing they could do, but it's got to come from the fighter uh, because I know that whenever I had Richie Giacchetti or Don Turner in my corner, I, I felt like we were a team. They knew me, I knew them, and I was ready to produce for them and myself. And, you know, take full accountability. If I didn't win, I didn't win. But if I won, then thank you. It was the way it worked, the combination, the confidence I had. You know, you hear in the boxing world, people say, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this and that, we've got to do that. But guess what? It's really, no, we, it's you. You're the only one in the ring. So, yeah, I think accountability and making the right change at the right time is important, very important. It's not like Andrew Ruiz's former trainer, Manny Robles, said to him, you know what, don't train today. Go and have another cheeseburger. Oh, no, go meet your fans. Go go to the bar and have a couple of drinks. Go hang out with the ladies. You know, I, I mean, it wasn't saying that. So, you know, and, and even during the fight, I don't recall him not giving him good advice in the corner. He was telling him to go after uh, Joshua. He was telling him to let his hands go, you know, and, and, and this type of thing. And yet... Um, you know, the, the so-called manager, the, the Al Heyman, who's really trying to ruin the sport. I, I know initially everybody thought he was going to help the fighters and everything else. I, I don't really see it as several years have gone by. Um, but I do see, uh, you know, fighters like like this particular case where he's, you know, oh, fire the trainer. It's a trainer's fault. You know, at the end of the day, you're 100% right. I say it all the time. It's we, we, we until the fighter loses. Then it's it's him. He didn't do what we said. We, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. You know, and in this case, you know, all the fingers point to the trainer. You know, uh, it's the same thing in, in football or baseball. You know, uh, a team doesn't perform right. Well, let's face it. Reality is the coach in, in professional ranks, not so much in college, but in professional ranks, is the guy who's getting paid less than the, than the players. So it's easier to blame the coach and fire him. It's less costly for for owners and, and teams and, and what have you. Well, it's no different in boxing. When they, you know, sign these fighters to contracts, you know, that have TV involved or whatever, um, they don't want to blame the fighter. So they the fighter becomes used to not holding himself accountable. It's a shame. You know, I'm trying to compare fights uh, fighters and and fights uh, between today and yesterday, and I, I'm wondering what's happening to the sport because when you look at the fights from last night, Sal, here we have two uh, the main and co-main events on Showtime. This wasn't even Showbox. This was Showtime Championship Boxing, which traditionally would show the best fights. You know, and, and here we are watching uh, fights in prime time. And basically all we saw were two sparring matches. We saw two overmatched fights, Danny Garcia, and and neither one of them took out their opponent. Uh, what's your thoughts no, on know. that? What's your thoughts? Yeah, what's I, your thoughts? It's so freaking ironic you say that because I said to these guys, to myself, I said, I can't believe Jared Hurd can't put out Santana for good and... Same thing with Danny Garcia. I thought he had many opportunities with the uppercut and everything else to, to shut down Red Cash. And, 
I think that uh, I think it just didn't work out that way, and for whatever reason, it made them look mediocre. Exactly. You know, it's it's funny you say that because I I'm sitting there watching Danny Garcia, who's who's a good fighter, and he looked ordinary, and and Jared Hurd yeah. looked like he was you know throwing jabs for the first time in his life. I mean, the way he was, you know, and and, and how does. How does these kind? My point is, I'm not knocking them for for stay busy fights or anything like that. I'm knocking Showtime for having the gall to put that on as showcase fights, as as big fights. You know, that could have been on uh, you know network television or a stream somewhere. Not even not even a top streaming service like uh, the uh, like the Zone or or ESPN Plus. You know, it could have been on anything. You know, we we could have yeah. streamed it here on on BillyCBoxing.com. You know, I mean, they were both they were both showcase fights that shouldn't have been billed as championship caliber fights on on Showtime, which they were. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. So something earlier yeah. I said, Sal, was this: I'm comparing the 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 eras, which. You know, it's hard to do, and sometimes it's not fair. But if you take a look at eras like the Sugar Ray Robinson era or, uh, you know, Archie Moore, um, uh, even Duran in, in your era or, or um, you know, even earlier than Sugar Ray Robinson, Harry Greb. I mean, these guys fought, you know, Harry Greb uh, 300 fights around, uh, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson over 200 fights, etc. And the truth of the matter is, is all 200 of those fights that Sugar Ray Robinson fought or 300 and some odd fights that Harry Greb fought, um, they weren't always against, uh, you know, top-level opposition. They, too, were fighting, um, you know, uh, stay busy or tune-up fights, if you will. But the difference is, is they fought 12 times a year. Harry Greb fought once a week, you know. I mean, you know, so, so at the end of the year, when you looked at a year— they might have fought somewhere between four or six or, or even more um, quality championship-type fights. Today's fighter, Sal, fights two or three times a year, and we have to sit through one or two of these kinds of fights of those two or three fights a year that we watched last night? That's my point. Good point, too. It's a very good point. I'll tell you. Um... I wish I had some answers, Bill, but uh, I tell you, I think it's uh, the lineage of how this this trickle down effect with fighters fighting mediocrity and 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 trying to pawn it off as a big big victory. I, I think you know the public the boxing fans are smart. They really are. They know what they like. They know what they see. They know what uh, what to expect when you have world class fighters in a ring. So, and sometimes when, when that's not produced, you got a question and point fingers. Well, let me ask you this. In both cases last night, Garcia and Reddick and uh, Hurd and Santana, um, you know, both of these fighters clearly, Garcia and Hurd I'm talking about, clearly were better than their opponents. That's number one. Number two, oh, they, yeah. they were also way bigger than their opponents. Both of their opponents had to come up and wait to fight them, and they looked much smaller in the ring uh, fighting uh, uh, Hurd and Garcia, respectively. Um, but my question is, why wouldn't they take a risk? Neither one of them, Danny Garcia or Jared Hurd, 
took any kind of a risk to put on a good performance, knock their opponent out, or or have it, the you know get them in enough trouble where the referee would wave off the fight. Neither one of them did it. They were both you know happy with coasting to a a decision win. And the mentality of don't take any chances, don't risk getting hit, don't take unnecessary punishment, etc., etc., etc. I understand it all, but if if that's the attitude you're gonna have, why become a professional fighter? Exactly. Good question. And I'll tell you why. Bill, it's something we may never know. But uh, what if they come out and say, this is why I didn't do this, this is why I didn't do that. But, um, you know, I, 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 I think along your lines, much more than I do when we watch these fights. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a painstaking process. And, and there's no excuse, no reason. You know, guys should be fighting, challenging themselves, fighting up and uh, demonstrating their skills. Well, perfecting that and perfecting their skills against opponents like we saw last night. I don't have a problem with. I, I think it's necessary in the development of a fighter. Okay, so you know, I don't want people to to start bombarding my my inbox with with statements like that. My point is that they were doing it uh, on a big stage. When when you're fighting on on uh, Showtime, uh, championship boxing, it was the same thing as uh, when HBO was in it. When you got to HBO, that was a big fight. You know, the, the next level up from that was a pay per view, or or you know, obviously they've changed the way things are done uh, in today's world. But you know that that's the kind of fights that they are. You know, and, and to to be fed this. You know, even the fans are booing. You know, we say to ourselves, what can we do to keep boxing back in mainstream? Well, it's entertainment. If the fan isn't going to be entertained, they're not going to come next time. How many people did you hear booing both of those fights, the Garcia fight and the Hurd fight? And and here we are in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, a, a place that, you know, is finding a, a pretty good niche for, for professional boxing. And, and f- uh, fans that would go and say, hey, there's a boxing match over in Brooklyn tonight. Let's go. You know, how how long is it going to take before they say to themselves, why go there? Remember the last one? We, were, You know, it was boring. It was a wasted night. We got stuck in traffic for two hours afterwards. I mean, you know, I mean, doesn't the product have to speak for itself, Sal? Well, yeah, it should. And that's in the world of uh, boxing. It really should. The product should be you can find and say, hey, this is a great match. But, you know, we don't, we don't get that as much anymore. That's the same because that's what the fans deserve. You know, they're talking about Garcia. Uh, you know, he wants to fight Errol Spence, but now they're saying, oh, since he, since he beat Red Catch, now should he fight yeah. Manny Pacquiao? You know, you say, well, how, how, do you, how do you get a win? You don't even knock the guy out. You get a win over exactly. over, over uh uh, Ivan uh, Redcatch, who's you know just a tough guy. I mean, he's a tough guy. Uh, you know, every he's got five losses now, and every one of them uh, is against a, a a decent fighter. All those other wins were, were against marginal. You know, he's got a couple of wins against uh, uh, a, a decent opponent. But you know, how does that get a in you get you into a conversation 
with an all-time great like Manny Pacquiao, who, who in himself shouldn't even be fighting. I mean, I don't understand yeah. how that performance gets you in that conversation. I just don't. Well, and there's two separate conversations, and you're perfectly right, I, I, I believe. And uh, it shouldn't be said in the same sentence. And uh, I, I just think it's, it, I just think it's the way boxing is today for whatever reason. I mean, certainly not that every fight, but, uh, you know, more times than not, we could see that uh, the politics of boxing or the mindset of boxing has taken definitely a change. Are we becoming too conscious of safety for fighters, in your opinion, Sal? I'm sorry? Are, are, are we becoming too... In, you know, are we becoming too safe for the sport of boxing? Is is you know trying to uh, have two guys? Which let's face it, the, the the object is to render your opponent unconscious. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Uh, are we becoming too safe for a sport where the object is to basically beat the hell out of your opponent? Well, thank you for letting me with it. <laughs> exactly. I'm just, I'm just teasing. No, but uh, that's but, true. But that's true. Sure. And and we have a guy like Floyd Mayweather that's in discussion to fight a guy like Conor McGregor again. You know, it's like, give me a break. It's it's who's going to pay for that? The, the only people that are going to pay for that are idiots. Are idiots. And I'm not going to blame yeah. the the the, uh, the Mayweather's and the and the Conor McGregor's for doing it because if they can each make another hundred million dollars or whatever the hell they're going to make, more power to them. I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming everybody else that buys it, that thinks it's real. We we sat in your restaurant and the one guy was was so upset that Conor lost. He actually thought I'll never forget it. He actually thought that Conor McGregor was going to win that fight. It was a scam. It was a scam, and I bet you those same people will show up and thinking McGregor, now that he knows how to do it, will beat him the second time. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, and if they had the rules that supported McGregor's fight style, uh, he, he would have been killed. Right. Been right. One kick to the head, forget about it. You're going to lose your teeth and your mind. I wish that's what they let happen, but... Uh... Anyway, yeah, I'm a little riled up today, Sal, so I apologize for that. But uh, no, uh, it's, it's fine, Bill. Uh, I, 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 I was looking for a shoulder butt last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then that types it all off. Tevin, I mean, um, uh, Redcock, uh, Redcock uh, bit uh, Garcia's shoulder. And in the corner, his father gives him the the the, the you know usual uh, comments that he does. He goes, "Danny, f him up, f him up." Yeah, okay. So I was expecting a knockout after that. I got three more boring rounds after that. After the the, the uh -huh. nibble of, nibble of the shoulder, you know. So uh, very sickening, very sickening to watch. But uh, well, yeah, you're right. And then you know, again, we go back to accountability, and we go back to changes before before. You have to answer to the fire. Um, I just don't know if boxing has that fortitude anymore. No, I uh, I don't think uh, I don't think it does. Sal, I appreciate you uh, joining us this morning, and uh, we'll be looking forward to you next week, my man. Well, thank you for having me on, Bill. I appreciate it. I love voicing my opinion, um, and 
my beliefs, and I thank you so much for the opportunity. To you and the fans, have a great Sunday, and thank you for again to talk to me. Well, start start stocking up for uh, April fourth when we come down to uh, yes. uh, to do the show. So uh, we will. Uh, I can't wait. I, I'm gonna. I, I I think I should start fasting in another week or so, so I can. Uh, Eat, 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 eat you out of everything you have, man. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Me too, Billy. It's going to be a great, great time for all of us. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, brother. We'll talk to you next week. All right, brother. You take good care. And uh, my very best to you and the family, okay? You too, Sal. I'll talk to you soon. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. That's my main man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Uh, giving us his thoughts and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a bit uh, riled up today uh, with uh, with what we had to sit through last night, and um, you know it just uh, uh, well you know it's got me thinking uh, of, of this you know Kenny Bears you know you want uh, something you know of course I mentioned food with uh, with Sal and then uh, you know I got to start thinking of what I put on all my food right well Kenny Bears. Uh, was uh, got me addicted to the barbecue rub. Well, they got two new um, uh, products right now: the Cajun uh, uh, seasoning and their all-purpose uh, seasoned salt. Check it out. Get yourself uh, a uh, bottle. Get as a matter of fact, get yourself a bottle of each: uh, the original Kenny Bears and uh, one of these. Just visit uh, uh, Southern Gourmet Spice dot com, and uh, you'll be able to. Uh, uh, hook yourself uh, right up with that. Uh, but uh, in any event, hey, listen, joining me right now, uh, a guy who uh, uh, keeps the website up to date and a whole bunch of other stuff. Dax Khan is with us. Good morning, Dax. Good morning, Billy C. How are you making out today, my man? I'm doing well. How are you? Other than riled up. I'm a little riled up, man. I- I'm a little riled up because I- I'm sitting here watching those fights last night. And, you know, I'm, I, you know, as far as I know, you know, uh, Showtime Championship Boxing, really, HBO is backed out. And, you know, it, those broadcasts should be saved for, for competitive fights. And instead, we got treated to two overblown sparring sessions, and neither one even dominated their opponent. I mean, on the scorecard, yes, but, I, I mean... I was very disappointed in, in, in both. What was your thoughts beginning with uh, Garcia Redcatch? Well, I mean, you know, Ivan Redcatch is an exciting fighter. I've followed his career for, you know, quite some time. I, you know, I would go and see him on those Broadway boxing shows. I mean, he's got some upset ability. But, you know, this fight was pretty much sold off of his win over Devin Alexander. But, of course, you know, Devin Alexander has only been a fraction of himself for the last four years. Um, you know, Danny Garcia, you know, there's a guy, you know, he's not faded. Uh, he had a close fight with Keith Thurman. Um, he had a very good fight, very good showing in his uh, loss to uh, Sean Porter. You know, just five years ago, he was king of the 140-pound division. He's won two titles at 147. I don't understand why they had him in there against somebody of uh, this caliber. You know, um, maybe like a, a Sergey Lipinets or somebody like that. You know, a former champion would have been a... Um, an opponent that would have been acceptable for the show Showtime broadcast because I see that's what you're uh, pretty upset over is the fact that you know fights of this quality they were put on Showtime, and and I and I agree with you you know 100%. But um, Danny Garcia, while 
he is still one of the best fighters in the world. At 147 pounds, Bill, I just don't think he has the pop, or, you know, the power, you know, to beat these top names. And what I can see happening to Danny Garcia is a few more fights like this, or gosh forbid, a loss, and he can almost become the next um, Austin Trout of the PBC. Remember, Austin Trout, after he lost his title to uh, Erislandy Lara, he would be put into fights like this uh, to make it look really well against, you know, this caliber of opponent, and then he would be put in there against one of the other champions who was in a stay-busy fight while they were looking for another big fight. Does that make any sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? Did, did you see how that pattern was? And I can see that pattern happening with Danny Garcia, and that would be a shame if it did. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I, the, the thing that I see with Garcia, in all honesty, it, it, and because I know his father... Um, wanted Danny to to retire, you know, after after uh, his his loss, his you know second loss. Um, the thing that I think Danny Garcia is looking for is one huge payday, one more huge payday, and then you know he's done. I, I don't, you know, I think it, it to me it appears that that love of the sport is gone. Um, you know the 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 energy that we used to get um, from him and believe it or not, his dad together in the in the corner seems to be missing. Um, I, I just saw a going through the motions Danny Garcia last night. I just saw a, a, a guy who was not concerned with Red Catch, and, and I agree with you. Red Catch is, is a tough guy, but, you know, here he is going up and wait for all intent purposes against Garcia, who looked way bigger, and Garcia should have taken the opportunity and take a little risk and, and put on a show, and, and he didn't. He decided to go through the, the motions. The same thing with Jared Hurd. And I just thought that on Showtime Championship Boxing, we should be treated to better matchups. I'm not saying it, it necessarily had to be a, a pure 50-50 matchup, which I think, it honestly, it should. Um, but it could have been a 60-40 or even a 70-30. I mean, we were talking about, you know, 90-10 matchups last night, Dax. Yeah, absolutely. They were, you know, it was, you know, um, ninety ten. Wow, Bill. Um, I, you know, with Jared Heard, you know, I wasn't sure to think about it uh, when it was announced uh, on this show. I have defended Jared Heard's actions on not fighting Julian Williams in a rematch. I thought, as I stated on here, I think a couple weeks ago, is that maybe um Heard was looking to make that jump to one sixty and the weight cut down to one hundred fifty four. You know, has been really hurting him, and at 160, he'll feel better, he'll be a little bit faster, he'll be a little bit stronger, and he goes and he fights, you know, Santana, who has journeyed above 154 a few times, he's got a sturdy chin, his only KO loss, I believe, was to uh, Kareem Mayfield back in 2009, that was a young Kareem Mayfield, you know, he was a hot prospect, you know, heard in his post-fight interview, stated he did what he wanted to do, he was happy with his performance, he wanted to win rounds, he wanted to uh, not go toe-to-toe, which is okay, but, um, and I guess, you know, a guy like Santana is the type of guy that you would fight if you wanted to kind of change your style. I don't really know if Jared Hurd is completely capable of uh, changing the style. But, you know, Hurd was the boss of a division until a fight ago. Um, you know, did did he need a confidence builder fight? I, I don't know. Did um, did that loss to Williams actually do something to Hurd where they needed to go in there and uh, uh, give him a fight that would build his confidence and uh, maybe they can work on some things? It's, it, you know... You really don't know because you're not in the camp. All I know is that Julian Williams at 154 pounds, and he's not getting a title. I mean, um, 
Jared Hurd, 154 pounds. He's not going to get a title rematch against Julian Williams because he lost that to Jason Rosario. And Jason Rosario, not only is he all wrong for Williams, but he's definitely all wrong for a, a slow-plotting Jared Hurd who takes too many punches. So I'm not really sure what's next for Jared Hurd. Well, one of the things I did agree with Jared Hurd's approach was that, and what he's doing now with a new trainer, is he was tr- he, he's trying to to be a little more defensive, to avoid taking the punishment that we've become accustomed to him taking. And I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with him learning and trying to go through rounds and all of that. I'm okay with all those things he said. What I'm not okay with is that it was the co-main event on a show, uh, on a Showtime Championship boxing broadcast where we should be seeing, you know, top-notch fights and or, or matchups at least. Uh, that's where my problem is, that that we shouldn't be putting those kinds of fights um, on that kind of network, um, you know, a, as a co-main event. That's all. You know, if he was on the undercard, um, I don't have a problem with it. But we're watching two overblown s- sparring matches last night. And, and to make it worse, I had to listen to Ronaldo with the, you know, he just hit the deck like a card dealer. I, you know, I mean, it was just... The same old crap with them, and and I I just don't know what if it's ever going to change. I I agree, and if these fights were on the undercard of a bigger fight, they would have been you know acceptable. In no problem. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you you can you can understand that, but you know um, not only you, but it seems you know last night you know me I'm on social media during during the fights. That seemed to be the problem with everybody is that you know this happened to be presented as a main event on Showtime. So, you know, and, and that's the frustrating part. These fights would have been good if they were on the undercard of a, uh, a meaningful fight as, as a way, you know, to um, kind of, you know, get fans ready for, for that bigger fight, you know, to get fan, give fans something to do while they're going to the snack bar or something like that, but definitely not as uh, main events. Um, I had actually built... Uh, was changing back and forth over to uh, Bellator on um, on the Zone because they had um, Ava Knight was on there, so you know that that's about how much you know this really held my attention. That's sad when you're watching MMA and boxing at the same time, and MMA is actually what you know catching your attention. That tells you exactly you know the quality of fights that these were. Exactly, you know, and and these fights, um, you know, I, you get rounds in or whatever, and. You know, at some point in time, you, you you know you you take the you take the training wheels off, and you say, okay, finish your opponent. You know, and neither one of them did. And you know, I look at these kinds of fights, and the truth of the matter is, is they're being accepted by a, a certain type of fan. You know, a fan that's not knowing and doesn't understand, they're okay with this. And and I think it hurts the sport overall, and and it puts a blemish on it because we have gotten some good fights over the last couple of years. We've gotten some great matchups. We've had some entertaining fights, all of that. And then this gets put out, and now you know it's the most recent thing. This is what's on my mind. You know, watching Showtime Championship Boxing and watching all the them telling you how great their commentators are and and this and that. I mean, it was like a a, a Showtime commercial. And yet they're trying to bamboozle you uh, with, you know, keeping your attention away from the two fights that we had to suffer through as viewers. You know, last night, um, Marty Mulcahy brought up a, a very good point on Twitter 
stating, what if Danny Garcia had a bigger fan following? Not that he's not a popular guy, but, you know, I'm talking about a bigger fan following, like uh, an Errol Spence-type fan following or a uh, Terrence Crawford-type fan following. You get what I'm saying? Uh, would he be in a fight like this? You know, um, kind of how I look at these two fights last night is, uh, you know, because Jared Hurd, doesn't have like you know a huge fan following you know not compared to his counterparts you know in the, in the division or in the PBC either so if these guys have bigger fan followings would they have been in these fights these 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 quality of fights or you know were these fights really actually meant to uh, generate some interest in these guys and they were supposed to be you know these these showcases that they weren't on paper and they ended up being snoozers you know th- does that does that actually hurt these guys well well the uh, fighters themselves you know and their popularity and and their um their appeal with these fickle boxing fans well the truth of the matter is is we can't re- can we really blame the fighters i mean do we really blame the the Jared Hurds and and the Danny Garcias or, or even, you know, I think a lot of the way this sport has turned was, was Floyd Mayweather's fault in the style he fought. But do we really blame them as fighters? Because let's face it, they are just trying to make as much money as they can, just like anyone else in life. You try to make the most money you can for, you know, the least amount of, of effort. I hate to say it, but that's that's the truth. If you can, you know, make more money and, and not, you know, endanger yourself or or uh, risk anything, and and you know somebody's willing to write the check, you, you're going to do it. So I don't really blame it on the fighter. I blame it more on the management and the promotion and the networks to allow it, because what they're doing, it, the fan, as long as the fan keeps buying it, they're going to keep giving it, because until the fan walks away, like my point to Sal earlier was, you know, here we we are at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. You know, a venue that's trying to, you know, become, uh, you know, one of the tops, uh, if they're not already, for the sport of boxing. And yet, yet it seemed like there was a decent crowd in there. And they're booing both of those fights. So my question is, those same fans, are they just going to show up on fight night regardless of who's going to fight? Or is there going to come a point, which I believe will happen, where they say, forget that. I'm not going to waste my money on that. I'll go do something else. I'll go watch, uh, you know, uh, uh, reruns or something like that. That's the part that I think is hurting the sport. No, I, I agree. I don't, I'm not blaming the fighters. You know, they're just fighting who, you know, who their matchmakers and their promoters put them in there against. You know, this, this has nothing to do with the fighters. They're out there. They're doing their job. Um, you know, so it's um, it's not like um, Jared Hurd or Danny Garcia call their own shots. You know, they're, they're um, even though they're uh, former world champions and they're um, you know elite fighters worldwide. You know, they're not you know they're not in that position where they decide who they fight. So it's unfair to uh, criticize them. And you know, with your point that uh, Danny Garcia actually has a pretty big following in uh, New York. He's fought at the Barclays Center. I think that was his sixth or seventh time. So you know, for them to be booing, you know that kind of more or less um, tells you right there that they're not really going to abide this for much longer. And that was my point on, you know, does it really hurt their marketability putting them in there against guys like this on, on a Showtime broadcast? Well, the, the, the problem I have with the fan base, with the new fan base, is that you're right, they're fickle. And are they fans of the sport or are they fans of the fighter? And if they've leaned towards becoming fans of the fighter... Like, you know, Floyd had a, his fan base, and, and he was also very successful with having people who hated him buy his fights. 
you know, so he had the pros and cons of him, in a sense, that paid for his fights. Now, you see other fighters coming up, and you, you say to yourself, well, are, are, are people becoming fans of them, and if they don't perform, do they walk away from the sport? Or are they fans of the sport, where they can evaluate different fighters and continue? My fear is that the majority of the new fan base, I'll, I'll just refer to it as a newer fan base, I think they're, they're more fans of specific fighters than they are of the sport. Because when you get in discussions, and you, you're, you're, in, the, you're in the battle uh, field of discussions with a lot of young, young kids with your involvement in the amateurs, that they must, you know, they, a lot of these young kids, from what I see, don't go back and learn about the historical aspect of this sport. And I think that's where the root of the problem begins. Well, it's not only um, fans of just a fighter, but nowadays, maybe you should say the organization, whether or not they just watch, you know, PBC or they just watch fights that are on the zone, you know, and so on. And these younger kids, you bring up a great point. I speak to them all the time and you'd be surprised at what they don't know um, about the sport. They, 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 they don't watch the sport very much other than a certain few fighters. And so... What, what you're saying right there is makes 100% sense that because they don't watch the entire sport, they only watch a few fighters, and nowadays, in this era, if you lose that O, all of a sudden, you're not a viable, marketable fighter worth watching, no matter who that O came to, no matter how it happened, then, you know, it, it definitely does hurt the fighters, it hurts the sport as a whole, so... Um, you know, what more can you say? You know, it, it is what it is, Bill, and hopefully uh, this pattern, this trend doesn't continue. I hope so. But, but there... uh, you know, uh, just just one thing off topic, you know, you mentioned like safety a few times, and um, and I know you're not an MMA fan. I'm really not. Like I stated, I only watch it because of Ava Knight and uh, Chris Cyborg last night, and these fights weren't all that good. But go and watch um, that Bellator card on um, the zone. Just watch this fight between Jason King and uh, Raymond Daniel. Bill, it's the scariest KO I've ever seen. And I don't understand how this wasn't stopped because it wasn't like, you know, it was a brutalized. Um, Raymond Daniel hits Jason King with this punch that totally removes him from his senses. And you can see this guy's just his neuro uh, uh, neurological system is just not attached to him. And the referee, Mike Beltran, lets this continue. And, and, and it was almost sad in a way where uh, 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 Jason King tries to throw a punch back out of instinct. But you could see in his eyes, he's just not there. You know, and you, you speak about um, has as the sport become um, too um, safety orientated. I don't know if you know it's so much safety orientated, you know, but uh, definitely, Bill. You know, you have to watch this. This has to be one of the most scariest moments I've ever seen in my in, in my life watching combat sports because I, I literally was saying to myself, one more punch and 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 this guy's gonna be hurt for good. It, it, it I can't even describe. It. You have to watch that, and the next time you come back, you know, just tell me what you thought of it. The thing is, is that the referees and the officials are the ones that should be looking out for the safety of the fighter. I agree. And I think that, you know, some of these uh, referees, uh, uh, you know, they, they put fighters in danger. Maybe they, they're out of shape. They can't get to them quick enough. Maybe they don't even know what they're watching. I don't know. 
But and what I was this lasted for about 15 seconds afterwards. He gets hit with this punch bill, and you can see it just totally removes him from his senses, and he's more or less just on autopilot, and he's not even sure what's going on. And and, and you have to see it to understand why this was this was such a scary moment. I can't believe that this was allowed to go on. Well, it's, even you know there was no punching back. You know the guy wasn't defending himself. It was even in the fight with Reddick last night. Red Koch was staggering, going back to his his corner, and uh, Benji Estevez. Uh, you know, he could have stopped the fight. I mean, w when a guy can't find his way to his corner and, and then comes out the next round and he, and he still didn't look right, and I'm watching from my living room, um, it makes it makes you question the, the, the third man in the ring. I, I, I got to be honest. I got to be honest. But, hey, listen, uh, two, two quick things before we let you go. There's some fights. Well, one quick thing. I just want to get your thoughts. There's some fights on Thursday. And we're talking about uh, terrible matchups. I'm not expecting much of a fight between Demetrius Andrade and uh, Luke Keeler, despite Luke Keeler uh, saying that you know he's guaranteeing that he's going to win. Um, but I do think that the Tevin Farmer uh, um, Jojo Diaz fight is going to be a good one. What's your thoughts on that fight? How do you see it going? And uh, what's your prediction? I like the Tevin Farmer Jojo Diaz fight. Um, simply because of the contrast in styles, whether or not Jojo, uh, Jojo Diaz is good enough to get by Tevin Farmer's slick boxing ability, I don't know. Um, isn't this like Jojo Diaz's third shot at a world title in um, within a matter of two years? I thought it was his second, but um, he, he lost the guy. I thought his title shot was against Gary Russell Jr., and uh, that's, his, that's his only loss, so... Um, that that was that that fight I, I think was his shot at a title and now this is the second. And, and Andre, um, as skilled as he is, and as much as we really thought that uh, Andre was going to be really successful in this sport, he's just been so mediocre at best, and he's still calling out um, Canelo and Triple G and saying that you know he he's been ducking them and they can't duck him any longer. It's you know. We speak about all the time how boxing is a, a business, you know, on, on you know, and you have to be a marketable and viable. Demetrius Andre, I've never seen a guy who is that skilled, but so unappealing to the fans, if that makes sense. It, you know, you just fans don't, you know, they're not excited to watch Demetrius Andre fight. You know, they were about four or five years ago on his way up, but since then, Demetrius Andre, it's you know. What are you going to do tonight? Demetrius Andre fight is on. Well, you know, I'm going to uh, go get uh, bamboo shoots up my fingernails. Uh, yeah, sounds like a good idea. I think I'll do that too. The problem with Demetrius is that he made a bad business decision. He should have never stayed with Star Boxing and Banner. And, you know, I mean, you know, no offense uh, to, to Artie or, or my man Joe, but the truth of the matter, matter is, is that by him staying signed with those guys, he never got the opportunity. They weren't willing to invest big money, and they were hoping that uh, some big fight would come along, and it didn't. So Demetrius wasted a lot of his prime years, um, you know, seeking out those big fights. And then when you start talking about a guy like Canelo, Canelo's in a position where he only wants big fights, financial big fights. And does Demetrius really bring that to the table? Demetrius needs to uh, fight and beat another almost big name, and I don't mean to say this in a negative way to all of our British fans, but like a Billy Joe Saunders type of a, uh, a fight would have been, uh, would have been good for him. 
A Triple G fight would be good too, but, you know, Triple G, why would he fight him? He's looking for the same thing Canelo is. So I think he's become the odd man out. And as, you know, you know as well as anyone, you know, the biggest enemy to any athlete is time. You know, you start to age and, uh, you know, the best Demetrius Andre is behind us. Well, absolutely. That was my point. Like you were stating, you know, does he bring enough to the table for these big money fights? Because he doesn't dazzle the fans and he's not exciting. No, he doesn't. In fact, fans most likely, going back to the fickle part, despite on, on uh Despite Demetrius being undefeated, fans would you know would crucify Canelo for fighting him. Right, right. No, I, I, I agree with that. And you know, if if things would have been different, if some of his opponents would have been a little more recognizable, maybe he earns uh, uh, a big money fight. But right now, I, I think he's he's fighting in the shadows, and the belt means nothing. So, anyway, that you know, it's, it's you know, it's a shame to see a career go down like that. A successful what? Yeah, we don't have time to go into um, explain exactly what happened promotionally with Demetrius Andre, but um, he's only thirty-one years old, Bill. It's not like he's been in any wars, so I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to say, you know, his best days are behind him. I actually think he's in his prime, but you know, he just really seems content on doing enough to win rather than doing enough to get himself to that next level in terms of marketability and place himself in those big fights because he has. Um, what's he got now? Almost 30 fights, and not one of them has really been something that any fans can sit there and say they remember. Nobody's going to sit there and say as of right now. Do you remember that fight when Demetrius Andre faced, you know, there is no fight that stands out like that, and because there's no fight that stands out like that, he has no, uh, he brings nothing to the table against any of these top names. Motoroshian, in tw- way back in 2013, seven years ago, he squeaked by with a 12-round uh, split decision. You know, I, I, aside from him, I mean, yeah, he's got some wins over decent names like Alantez Fox and uh, uh, Saluki in his last fight, um, Willie Nelson when Willie Nelson was, was something in, in back in 2016. Even the tough Brian Rose uh, went seven rounds with him. But that's it. You're 100% correct. Uh, at 28 and 0, he's got no memorable fights that people are going to remember, and his markability is is down. He needs some dance partners if he expects to get uh, big dollars. The best thing he did was sign with Matchroom, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, down the road. But uh, uh, as far as a Canelo and a Triple G fight, I, I think he's going to have to be looking elsewhere. But that's just my thought. Uh, absolutely, you know, because Canelo, as you stated. I think everybody knows Canelo's only looking for these very top names, not only financially, but just because I believe right now Canelo's past, he's certainly past the financial stage. I mean, you know, he's set for life. He's set for four lifetimes. Right now, Canelo is working on a legacy, and Demetrius Andre isn't exactly that guy that will help cement that legacy. No, not at all. Dax, appreciate your time. Look forward to you next week, brother. All right, everybody, enjoy your day. That's Dax Khan. You can check out his column up on Billy C. Boxing. Uh, dot com and uh yeah it's uh it's kind of uh it, it's kind of a, I, I feel bad for demetrius because um he uh uh he actually um you know is a talented fighter i mean had a had an olympic um career that was uh successful and uh everybody thought you know when he first came on uh, uh he was a little more exciting than than he uh is now 
Um, but uh, I, I keep blaming it on um, on his business decision by staying with uh, uh, Star and, and Banner. But uh, uh, anyway, what, what's happened to the sport of boxing? Joining us right now uh, is my man uh, Alex Papali. Uh, good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm a little riled up this morning. Uh, I had to sit through those two sparring sessions on uh, Showtime last night. And, you know, it, it bothered me not only to uh, listen to Mario Ronaldo, which is uh, like Dax says, I'd rather go get bamboo shoots shoved up my fingernails. But, uh, um, I mean, he's just so terrible. And, you know, I don't want to see the trail of tears about his battle with depression. Oh, yeah, boo-hoo-hoo. We all have depressed. We're all depressed. Um, but, you know, to watch those shows, that those two fights, on what is really the premier cable network for boxing right now with no competition other than the, the streaming services, which is a whole other ballgame, and to have them give us those fights, I'm just I'm sick to my stomach. What was your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it um, it does say something about how much the sport has changed. That um, you know what used to be what like you and Sal were saying, the place to go. That was what a fighter aspired to is getting a contract with an HBO or a Showtime. Um, you know, and it was it especially through the '80s. It was like if you weren't with one, you were with the other, um, and. Uh, and to think that that's what that has become now. But, you know, I mean, things change. And it was interesting because Al Bernstein was starting his 40th year. It was the first first broadcast of his 40th year. So it does say something. But it, it's kind of sad because, um, you know, I, I think Al Bernstein has had a great career. But what they gave us last night was like a gift from the great caca. So a guy like Al Bernstein... I mean, yeah, he's starting his 40th year. We're in our 16th, so we got to catch up to him. But, uh, um, you know, with all the great fights he's seen and called, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I got to believe that he's saying, he's looking at himself in the mirror going, well, at least I'm getting a paycheck, you know, and uh, because, uh, you know, it was terrible. And, and then what made it worse, and I don't blame the fighters to a degree, but what made it worse was the fact that they – they both were like admitting that they were trying to get rounds in and, and this and that. And, and it just, you know, as a consumer who pays for that type of a service, I feel I feel ripped off. And I, I just, you know, I, I look at it this way. I was comparing fights of yesteryear. You know, it's very hard to compare errors because I will admit the fighters of today are, are you know, in better shape. They're, they're physically better. They're nutritionally better. I mean, they're faster, bigger, stronger, the whole nine. And, and you go back and you compare to, to the guys I keep bringing up this morning is, is like Sugar Ray Robinson, Harry Greb, to, to name two from past eras. Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson over 200 fights. Harry Greb, 300 fights. Um, and, yeah, they didn't always get in those knockout, drag-out top-notch fights every one of those 300 fights for harry greb or 200 fights for sugar ray um but in a course of a year you know these guys were fighting once a month harry greb fought once a week they still fought you know a half a dozen meaningful fights in today's uh landscape of the sport of boxing 
We're given Boxer of the Year awards for a fighter who fights three or four four times. You're getting an award. You're a lock. You know, and and if we have to watch a Danny Garcia twice a year, or or a Saul Canelo Alvarez twice a year, why should we be subjected to a sparring match as one of those fights? That's my point. Let alone having it be on Showtime's Championship Boxing. <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's the problem with what happened last night is uh, the Jarrett Hurd matchup. I think was understandable was because he was coming off a layoff uh, and a, and a loss. Um, but the uh, it should have been you know like way more. It what it didn't it wasn't appropriate as the uh, you know the co-feature. Uh, which is the role they put in it, because all it did was mostly put people to sleep. Um, and yeah, I have no problem letting a fighter change his style and work and stuff, because a lot of people on, you know, on t- the social media out there, it's it's com- it's comical, because then people come to the aid of the fighter, you know, and they're like uh, saying things like, you know, he has every right to do this kind of thing. Right, but... You, there's also the fact that boxing is sport. It's also spectacle. And part of that is you giving 100%. And nobody wants to watch a sparring session unless they know, hey, this is an exhibition. I've been out of the ring for 10 months, and I'm just going to spar with this guy for 10 rounds to try to get my timing back, work on some new things. But you're right. Putting it on Showtime is kind of like, hey, guess what, fans? We're giving you garbage tonight. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, and that that's one of the things that I always liked about uh, Larry Merchant is that a lot of times he would say that. I remember there was a couple of HBO shows where he's like, tonight we bought you, we brought you crap. Yes. And I mean, I think that was the thing. There was a moment where it was during the herd fight where Morrow did say something to Al, like, I'm trying it here, Al. So that was like the only little chink in the armor there where it seemed like, Oh, they they are aware that this is a crappy card. Um, I don't know. It especially I think the guy that deserves the most criticism is Danny Garcia because he thinks of himself and Showtime thinks of him, thinks of him as a power broker in the division. You don't do that if you're the power broker in the division. I mean, if you do, you take him out. You don't uh, box through 12 dull rounds. Exactly. And and in both fights, and and you're right with Hurd, but still it shouldn't have been the co-main event. I mean, it could have been on the undercard and he could practice his jab there, you know, instead of a co-main event, you know. But both of these guys were in with, with sacrificial lambs. Neither one of these opponents really had any chance to win. Not only did the skill... Uh, uh, level was so different between the the two but the size you know I mean Red Catch and Santana were both looked like they were in two weight classes below their opponents in Garcia and Hurd you know and and the safety thing uh, you know I'm torn because it's like I get it you know we every life we all want people to be safer today you know, it started way back when they they come out and they start forcing you to wear a seatbelt. You know, and and that was a big thing. You know, 
and and you know you can't even you can't even start your lawnmower without I can't I can't risk cutting my hand off with a lawnmower anymore because it shuts off automatically. You know I I can't risk going through my windshield anymore when I drive my car because I I have to put the seatbelt on otherwise I get a ticket. You know it's like you know I'm losing that 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 excitement that I might give myself to to make it a little challenging uh, the ride to work. My I might. I might go through the windshield this morning, you know, or, or you know, I, I might cut my foot off while I try to cut the friggin' lawn. You know, I mean, stuff like that. And, and, and the age-old, you know, comment uh, that we'll never forget, uh, a guy like Victor Ortiz who says uh, on a post-fight show after he got his ass beat from one end of the ring to the other, no one should take a beating like that. Yeah, nobody if you're an accountant or, or if you're a carpenter or if you're a, a mechanic. But when you become a professional boxer, you kind of got to think somewhere along the line you're going to take a few shots. I mean, nobody's forcing these guys to be in this field, Alex. So where is the line where we say, let's put the burden of safety in the referee slash commission's hands and let the fighters do what they're supposed to do. And like you've said on this show many times, and I quote, the object of boxing is to render your opponent unconscious. You've said that, you've pointed that out, and that is the bottom line with the sport of boxing. And yet we don't want to take a guy out because it might be risky in order to take the guy out to land that uppercut that'll take his head off or to land those combinations that will put him down on the canvas, I might take a punch. Ooh, we don't want to do that. Right, and that that's, I think, what you saw was the glaring difference between the Fulton-Kegai fight, which made that fight uh, entertaining, even though it was pretty one-sided throughout, it made it entertaining throughout, was that... Both guys had that there was danger in both of them. They both were trying to, um, you know, do damage. And both guys seemed to have the ability to hurt each other because they were of similar size um, and their records uh, were identical at the time. Um, now uh, Fulton is, you know, one ahead of him. Uh, but, uh, well, no, I think, yeah, I think because, oh, no, K-Guy, I guess, was 16-0-1, and Fulton was 17-0. Um, the, uh, but that fight, you know, was enjoyable um, because it you had Fulton, who was boxing more, and K-Guy, who, uh, even though a lot of his shots were cuffing shots, I bet you Fulton is hurting today. I bet you he's all lumped up. Those kind of shots take a toll as the fight goes on. Um, and that fight was entertaining. Um, because, you know, you're putting guys in there who are going to test each other. There was no tests in the other two fights. Um, and I think that's the thing that's really important, uh, in, you know, unfortunate really, is that that's what you get a lot with a lot of these PBC fights, is maybe a matchup that has, you know, an A fighter and then a name, uh, like they were doing, talking about the Devon Alexander victory. Um, Yes, on paper that looks good, knocking out Devon Alexander. But not when you think, well, wait a minute, he's not the same Devon Alexander who beat Juan Urango. He's nowhere near that guy anymore. So a lot that's a lot of stuff you get with the PBC is just, I don't know, I think of it as sort of corporate speak. 
Um, we've gotten ad, you know, this country, we've got been overwhelmed with advertising speak since the 40s. Uh, it's a lot of times it's hard to tell. Some people can't tell what's real anymore. And I think that's the thing with the PBC is that um, last night we you had two fights that were not really fights. They were showcases. And even though one guy, you know, the opponents were like, overwhelmed by size, overwhelmed by experience, but they're not uh, significant matchups at all when you pull the veneer off. And some fans can't do that. Some people, some fans don't care about doing that because they like the A-side fighter. That's who they're there for. But as you saw last night, they cared. But that's that's the problem. The, the, the PBC fans, so to speak, doesn't know the sport. And if all they're doing is hoping that their guy beats up that sacrificial lamb, they're going to be the first, and trust me, they're going to be the first to run in the opposite direction when their guy loses. That's what's going to happen to Deontay Wilder. You watch. Deontay Wilder, all the fans that, that are, are supportive of him are going to scatter like a cockroaches when he gets knocked out. You know, well, I, and... and and what you've said about this before is one of the dangers of the PBC is they're not making boxing fans. They're making they're making like individual athlete fans. Right. And and if you th stop and think about of a fight that would have been extremely entertaining last night on championship boxing brought to us by Showtime, it would have been Santana against Redcatch. Give me those two guys. They would, that would have been a great fight because the level of talent is similar. You know, they would have both been trying to do what they were trying to do against monsters that were bigger than them and stronger than them and better than them. And if they would have fought the same style fight against each other, we'd be talking about fight of the year. I would have loved to have seen Santana fight Ivan Redcatch last night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's a good point, is that they're not into making fights. And um, that's one of the changes about Showtime, is I remember in the early 2000s, that was one of their model mo uh, mottos, was great fights, no rights. Uh, that has definitely changed. Now it's all about rights, rights to promote uh, one guy's fights, no matter who they're against. And uh, it's, it's kind of sad, because, you know... I don't know. Uh, I Showtime hadn't done a championship boxing show, I think, in a while, and then you get that. That's pretty disappointing. Yeah. Well, between that and Rollo, I just it makes me sick. But when I think of Showtime, I do like their Showbox series. Steve yeah. Farhood and Barry Tompkins—they do a great job. You never hear the stupidity uh, that comes out of Ronaldo's mouth on those broadcasts, and generally, we do see fights that are somewhat even um, on paper, and, and we normally get decent performances. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Showbox for the for Showtime is is the premier uh, fight uh, uh, show because the, the yeah. championship boxing has, has, been, uh, has fallen uh, uh, way down, in my opinion. Well, I, I agree with you. I think that, that Steve Farhood, Barry Tompkins, Raul Marquez crew is the best in the biz right now. Best uh, in the biz, I agree. I yeah, agree. They don't scream. They don't overreact. They don't uh, try to make allusions to popular culture, cultural things that no one cares about. They don't, um, you know, they're not uh, 
they don't get caught up in little digressions. They talk about what's in front of them, and they do a great job. I, I like Sergio Mora. I think he does a great He's job on the zone. Yeah. I mean, and uh, you know, when I got to sit and, and chat with him in Vegas uh, on our show, I, I mean, I you know, my whole my whole feelings towards him. Well, as a as a fighter, I, I got to admit, I was never a big fan, but he certainly knows his stuff, and I and I I love him as a commentator. That's for sure. And you, and you went home and you stopped at Petco and you adopted a garter snake? <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But the bruises from B-Hop are finally healed on my back, so uh, I feel good about that. But on Thursday, we got a couple of fights. Um, the main event is Demetrius Andrade, uh, a, uh, uh, a guy that's um, you know close to, to you, a New England fella, uh, taking on uh, Luke Keeler, and there's been some... Uh, talk back and forth between Keeler, who's uh, ranked in the middleweight division at number 28, uh, going against Andre, who's number seven. Uh, Andre is uh, a guy that, you know, Dax and I were talking about. He's, he's 31 already, but um, he's, uh, he's seemingly never really found the big payday. Um, I, I don't see this fight being competitive at all. Does Keeler have a chance? Um. Not much of one, but um, you know, I think everybody has a chance. Uh, but no, not not a not a significant one. Um, I do like that they're having a fight card this week, but um, and I am looking forward to that Tevin Farmer uh, just because Tevin Farmer is a guy that I think is is you know somebody you want to watch every time he's in the ring at this point. Uh, that unfortunately cannot really be. I cannot say the same thing, at least personally, about Demetrius Andrade. Uh, yeah, he's tend to be tends to be kind of dull. Um, he is very skilled. Uh, this is a definitely an important fight for him because I think there's matchups out there for him that could be good. What? Um, Give me one. The, the Golovkin fight would Do you be one. I'm okay, sure but does but does that make financial sense? That fight? Well, not for Golovkin, right. But it's for him. Right. But, Any of those big fights make financial sense for him. It's the yeah. other guy. You know, uh, you know, like, who, who? so when I start thinking of D Demetrius Andre, I don't see those big money fights. I don't see the dance partner, you know, unless unless I'm forgetting somebody. Who, who, who could it be? Charlo. See, now, I would like to see him fight a Charlo, you know, Charlo. But yeah. Charlo doesn't fight anybody. You know, Charlo's a PBC product. And they're banking on their popularity because not of their boxing talent, because they're twins, you know, and, and that's the truth. I don't care what anybody says. Charlo brothers are, are, are a couple of punks that talk a lot of smack, and they haven't proved it in the ring. Although the, the Tony Harrison uh, fight was, was exciting because he, he came back, Charlo came back from being down on my card big time to, to winning by knockout. Uh, but his brother in the middleweight division, uh, he's nothing as far as I'm concerned. And maybe a Demetrius Andre fight and a win for, for Charlo would, would put him on the map. But I don't think he beats Demetrius. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. But And I think that that would be a good fight. I'd like to see uh, Andre versus Charlo. But I do think that um, – I think he probably wants Golovkin more. Um, you know, I think because of DAZN and Matchroom being involved – um, there's money there, so I think that that the, those fights might happen. 
but you're right. It um, it doesn't seem like we're going to get Andrade versus Canelo. Uh, I have a feeling Canelo is going to fight Billy Joe Saunders, um, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, but I do think that um, uh, or I mean, because I, I think that's the thing we, we you know, and that's sad, too, because Callum Smith is the guy he'd rather fight, have see, see Canelo fight. But Billy Joe Saunders would be the path of lesser resistance. So that's probably what we'll get. Um, See, now I think Saunders and Daniel Jacobs should be the fight, super middleweight. And I do think Callum Smith and Canelo would be the the big money fight uh, for Canelo. And, and And no disrespect to Callum Smith, but I think he's perfect for Canelo. I think Canelo beats him, and, and I think Danny beats Billy Joe Saunders. Again, Demetrius Andrade, the odd man out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's in a very difficult position, and a major part of it, you know, he shouldn't be surprised by this. I'm, I'm sure he's aware of it. Some of it is his style of why he didn't, uh, you know, take off as a star, because he's very skilled, Um but yeah, that's the thing. I think, like you said, it, it does come down to seatbelt, Billy C, because uh, that's what this sport is about, is about risk. And um, it is it is about managing risk, but the best fighters risk everything. Uh, that's why we're still talking about Manny Pacquiao in 2020. The most exciting fighters risk everything. They may yes. not necessarily be the best, you know, but then what defines being the best if you keep winning you know that's been my argument about floyd mayweather uh, among several but um you know I, the 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 main ar- argument is you know why should we assume how great he is because he has demonstrated uh the ability to to stay away from an opponent he hasn't ever beat the crap out of an opponent i mean he's never you know like uh, we're never talking about oh my god did you see that knockout floyd destroyed that guy you never talk about that you know and when he himself used to say stuff like i don't have to fight triple g because i know i could beat him or i don't have to fight this one because it won't be a tough fight you know oh okay okay since you're saying that that that's good you know i, I mean you know you prove it in the ring you know and and i think that you know, we have a lot of talented fighters. The problem is, is that you just don't fight each other. They put them in uh, mismatches, you know. But, yeah. but real quick, getting to the fight Thursday night, which I do think is going to be a competitive fight, Tevin Farmer against Jojo Diaz. Tevin Farmer, um, I-, I love his climb uh, to a title, uh, lost uh, uh, several fights early in his career. Um, but, you know, when I look at his, his resume – Really, his last six fights uh, stick out, but they haven't been against great opposition, just decent opposition. And when you look at Jojo Diaz, I remember early in his career, I kept saying, oh, when are they going to step him up? When are they going to step him up? But when I look at his last 10 fights, nine of those 10 were against better than decent opposition. And... You know, of those 10 fights, he, he went 10-1, and one, losing to Gary Russell Jr., where he was just outboxed. The speed and, and boxing ability of, of Russell uh, Jr. Uh, was too much for him. Um, I like this fight, and I don't think Tevin Farmer has the boxing ability of Gary Russell Jr. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I think that's going to be a very good matchup. And didn't we see um, 
Joseph Diaz uh, saying goodbye to his family when we were sitting outside the MGM Grand watching those two people smoke that funny little cigarette. Yeah, yeah, we we did, we did. He, he was, uh, he had, he had uh, what color hair? Didn't he have like green hair or something? It was, yeah, there was some color to it, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I was seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was, was a funny little cigarette. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh, you know the, yeah, that I agree. With, I think that's gonna be a really good fight. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one uh, for sure. But uh, uh, real I quick, guess, I do have to see because I think it must be. I don't know if it was on Showtime Extreme. I looked last night to see if they did a did any of the undercards, but I don't think they did. Um, but I guess there was another Wilder um, Fury two. Uh, press conference. Um, so I'm going to see if I could check that out because I guess they tried to, you know, of course, get get um, Tyson Fury to say something uh, derogatory towards Wilder. And I guess he kind of took the classy road last night. Um, so they're still trying to, you know, hit that fight hard. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, we're less than a month away now. And um, that's going to be a good fight. So that fight is a well-anticipated fight, but you do know that they already have the third fight in 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 the books, right? So so because the first fight was a draw, it doesn't matter who wins this fight; it will still set up a third fight. So whoever loses the fight in February um, is going to have a. They don't want to make excuses, but they're going to have an excuse of why they lost, which would you know build up for the th the third fight. Um, you know, I, which is good and bad. I, I do like the matchup. I do think, you know, he, I don't believe Tyson Fury is going to really try to knock out Deontay Wilder in the second round like he keeps having that dream. I, I think that's just his uh, approach to try and get Deontay to attack him because that's his best way of of fighting when, when yes. his opponent is charging him. We saw him have all kinds of trouble when a fighter was disciplined and didn't come after him. And and Tyson Fury is a different fighter if you're fighting him, you know, if you're trying to outbox him. If you're coming at him, you're not going to outbox him. But if you're making him throw the first punch and make him be the aggressor, he's a different opponent. He, we just don't have Deontay Wilder with, with, the, with the technical um, ability to do that. So... You know, it's going to be interesting to see over the next 24 rounds if it goes that far. Yeah, I, um, you know, the idea of them already signing a third fight, I hear what you're saying, but I, I kind of hope that it, um, that it won't affect what we're going to see, that both these guys are competitive enough that they're not going to just waltz through 12 rounds. I think they do, they both want an emphatic victory. And it, I'm sure if the if the victory for either one of them is you know brutal enough, the the third fight might go out the window. Well, they, uh, they don't have to do it, right? So in other words, right. if if the third fight, if somebody wins by a brutal knockout in 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 this fight, um, or if it's another, let, let's look at it the other way. Realistically, um, if it's a brutal knockout, Tyson Fury's the guy getting knocked out. Um, right. If it's another boxing lesson, and this time Fury stays on his feet and wins, um, I, if I'm Tyson Fury, why do I have to fight Wilder again? Make Wilder right. fight somebody else. 
you know, yeah. and quite honestly, if I'm Wilder and I knock out Tyson Fury and, and he's, you know, laying there and this time he doesn't get up, um, why do I want to fight him? The only reason is for the money. But, you know, does a Anthony Joshua fight become more financially, uh, uh, you know, an advantage to, to the winner of the second fight? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that if whatever happens in this this rematch, if it's definitive, People are going to want the Anthony Joshua fight because no matter who wins, if it's Wilder uh, or Fury, well, now the only thing you want to know is what happens when they fight the other guy. Right. Uh, and, the, and the only other guy standing would be uh, Anthony Joshua. So, you know, and again, we still have uh, Oleksandr Usyk who might, uh, you know, make some noise in that division this year. I, I think he will. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that's the thing that's cool about this is the heavyweight division is exciting, even though none of these guys is an all time great, at least at this point. Um, they don't look like that. Maybe, maybe they will. But, um, you know, there's there's guys you can go through uh, when you look at the history of the sport, you think, OK, well, he'd take him out. He'd take him out. That kind of thing. Um, you know, granted. That's all just up here. Those are all just, uh, you know, assumptions we're making in our heads. But, you know, when you watch the sport long enough, you see what's in front of you. And, I, yeah, as much as the raw power of Deontay Wilder is impressive, he's not that skilled. Um, Tyson Fury is very skilled. He doesn't hit very hard. And he's got other vulnerabilities. So, yeah, these guys aren't the greatest heavyweights ever. But they're they're good enough to make for some really fun fights, I think. Well, I think every generation will have. It's only fair that they produce an all-time great. It's when you put the all-time greats against each other where you really you know shake out the the, the better fighters from the others. Like for example, you know it made me literally sick um, to see the computer rankings on BoxRec, and I hate to promote them, but I will. All time, pound for pound, they got Floyd Mayweather as number one. I mean, how does that happen? How do you put him over Sugar Ray Robinson, Harry Greb, Sam Langford, all those great, great fighters? I mean, it just does not compute, you know. Um, and and it's it's a joke, and uh, um, it just it makes me sick. But one last question for you: um, going back to the fights last night. Jarrett Hurd, Swift, which I wonder where they, they get that from because he's he's not exactly fleet of foot or have, uh, you know, he's not too quick with, with his hands. Um, yeah. do, do you think, I know that he was working on his jab, um, but, but do you think that that's going to help him when he's challenged against somebody not Santana, that he's, you know, three times the size, uh, that's, that was never, you know, anything more than just a, a you know, sparring partner type guy. I mean, do you, excuse me, do you think that he will pick that up or do you think when he gets into a, a real fight against a real opponent that we're going to see the, the Jared Hurd of old? I mean, after all, he did admit that one of the things, the reason why they're working on the jab so much is because he, he's trying to avoid getting hit as much as he, he used to, which I, I do believe is a good idea. Absolutely, yeah. No, I definitely agree with you that the things that he was doing were wise. 
the thing about it was that it just wasn't very enjoyable to watch. Um, if he had a bigger opponent in front of him, it might have been. But that's the thing. Then it would be more dangerous, and it would have been a much tougher lesson. Um, and I think this is one of those things that you've talked about many times before, Bill, is that if you're a, a, a team and you play the worst team in the league, you know, you and you keep playing them and you keep pounding them, well, you think you're terrific, but you you're playing the worst team. You're not learning anything. You're not testing yourself. You only get better by I mean, that's the thing that's about that's amazing about this sport that's so different from all the others is that when you get right down to it, the thing that things that make a great fighter are the same things now that made a great fighter in 1805 or 1705 or 1905. It's running and sparring. It's not cryotherapy. It's not vegan diets. It's not keto diets. It's not life cycles or stairmasters. It's fighting and running. And you could do that, um, you know, you could do that in the ring uh, in front of a crowd or you could do it in a gym. Uh, last night, Jared Hurd decided to do it on pay cable, which, yeah, against a very limited opponent. That's what made it kind of ob obnoxious. But it was certainly understandable that he wants to try to change his style. I think you're right. It's I don't think that one time was enough to make it. Uh, it's not going to take after one fight, especially against a guy like that, because for you to do something new, you got to, you know what I mean? If, if it was sort of like if if he was under pressure from a dangerous guy and using that uh, that sort of cross arm Tony defense and it was working, then he knows, OK, I, I can go back to this. But he never had that. He just all he had to do was focus and keep maintain that style, the whole thing. And he was never really tested, as Paulie Malignaggi correctly pointed out. All Santana kept doing was throwing punches. There was nothing creative in his attack. So, yeah, how much Jarrett Hurd actually learned last night, we don't really know yet. Well, time will tell, my man. And, uh, Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to you next week. Absolutely. Absolutely, Billy C. You have a great day. You too. Take care. That's uh, my main man, Alex Papali and uh giving us his thoughts um but uh yeah i don't know uh we'll see what happens i got a couple of emails uh i wanted to uh read and comment on um first and foremost uh we have uh, uh this one's from my man mitch he says uh, uh excellent point about fighters being coddled early on he said uh on one hand people uh say terrible matchmaking uh, why? Because a good fight and it wasn't a blowout by the favorite guy. If it went the other way, uh, then they would have been saying it, that Banana, he was talking about the fight from last week, was a cherry picked and complained about that. Um, he says uh, it, it was good matchmaking because the underdog was a live dog who's been matched tougher than most 24-year-olds. Uh, had he had a Gallimore, uh, a Deloach, Clark, and Coda on his resume at 24 years old, those fights gave Banana experience he needed to get the job done. Boxing isn't triangular. Williams clearly beat Gallimore, and Gallimore stopped Banana, so Williams beats Banana, right? Doesn't work that way. This kid was matched tough, probably because he didn't have uh, a PBC upbringing. Uh, he says, if coming up tough doesn't break you, then you get results like what happened last night. 
a good point on the show. Um, yeah, well, that is uh, the realistic part. And I say that uh, all the time that, you know, you learn. And, and as Alex pointed out, the same analogy I've given many times about um, the sport, you know, like playing the worst team. Are you really the best if you play in the worst team week in and week out? You know, uh, you get better. You know, the trick of, of creating a real talented world champion is to increase that uh, fighter's opponents, the level of competition, increase it every step of the way. And when you hit a stumbling block, focus on that level until you dominate. And then you get better. What they do today is they hand them easy fights for 20 fights. Then they position them for a uh, uh, for a, a world title fight. They win it. And now we start watching a fighter develop as a champion, which I, I don't believe in. I think a fighter should be developed prior to winning uh, the belt. Uh, one other email here I have um, um, that I want to get to real quick. Um, it's from my man Jess. He says, hey, Billy C., clearly... This fight last night was for Danny to win. I was surprised he didn't get to finish with the knockout. Uh, Danny uh, versus Spence, uh, Manny or Josito Lopez next. Uh, this is uh, Jesse's uh, uh, opinion. Um, he said, uh, 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 Billy, do you really believe Manny Robles and Andy are a good team? But he decided a new trainer was necessary Um he really believes. He said the only option is uh, uh, Reynoso, um, Teddy, and Freddie would be a bad choice. Um, listen, I said earlier uh, in the uh, uh, show that I, I felt that, you know, Andy Ruiz being instructed by Al Heyman to, uh, to, to get a new trainer um, is just another example of how we as a society don't hold ourselves accountable anymore. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's bothersome when you think about it um, because, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, is it wasn't Manny Robles uh, who, uh, uh, who was uh, the guy that was, you know, not taking training seriously or, or um, um, you know, couldn't pass a buffet line or, or you know, hanging out at the bars with, with, with his fans. It wasn't uh, Manny Robles that was doing that. Um, it was, uh, it was, it was, um, uh, you know, his own, his own mistakes, you know. And I believe that, uh, truthfully, um, you know, I, I, Al Heyman made a mistake. They're, 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 they're painting a picture for Ruiz to not hold himself accountable. And uh, I disagree with it. I disagree with it. Uh, he says, Hurd versus Santana was a total mismatch. Hurd needs to step up his competition and fast. Uh, no more Santana-like opponents. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm okay with Hurd fighting a guy like Santana. My problem wasn't the fight. My problem was the fight that took place last night and, and, and the way it took place last night. Um, I don't believe that that fight should have been a co-main event on Showtime Championship Boxing. Uh, that's what I, I felt about both of the fights last night. Uh, and then finally he says, uh, Niners uh, versus Chiefs, high-scoring game. Look, I, everybody knows I'm a disgruntled Jet fan. 
but my second favorite team has always been the San Francisco 49ers. With that said, I also like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs. I mean, how can you not like Patrick Mahomes? But I think the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. My actual prediction I, I uh, went on to say yesterday was, um, and, and you guys can hold me to this, 49 is 38 and the Chiefs 27. It's going to be a great, exciting game, but the 49er defense will be too much. Joining us right now, and she's too much, is Emily Harney. Good morning, Emily. Morning, and ladies and gentlemen, his fourth favorite team is the Patriots. Oh, get out of here! That's my least favorite team. That's my least favorite team. But but I have to respect them. I have to respect them. So uh, it is what it is. But uh, hey, I know you were at the fights last night, and it sounds like you're uh, on your way home. But um, it it was horrible to watch on TV as part of a main and co-main event of championship boxing on Showtime. It's not that I really had a problem with the two fights um, as stay-busy fights. My problem leaned more towards the fact that it was being broadcast on Showtime. What was your thoughts of the fights? Yeah, you know, I don't know. There was something about the pace of the main event and the co-feature that were really, like, kind of slow. And at, at some point, they were booing. Um, they booed more during the Hurd fight than they did the, the Garcia fight. It was more the Garcia fight towards the end when, when they both kind of separated a little bit. But um, it, it was interesting, and I expected a little bit more speed in, from both of them. And I don't mean speed in terms of hand power, but I just mean the movement of the fight. Um, I felt like there were a lot of circles in the co-feature that, that you know, were run. Uh, you know, trying to cut off the ring, and uh, that, that's always frustrating to shoot. But you know, to for a co-feature fight, like you said, a keep busy fight, you want a little bit more from that. And um, I get from the the fan point of view why they were booing now. And I go back and look at it at the time. I was like, wow, I'm making kind of good photos here, so I don't know why y'all are booing. But you know, looking at back at it, it was a little bit of a I mean, fights like that, you know, for Danny Garcia, you know, trying to uh, stay sharp and, 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 you know, Jared Hurd trying, you know, his new trainer trying to, to take less punishment, etc. I'm okay with them fighting those opponents on the undercard, not as a main and co-main. And then, and then if you are going to practice, you need to at some point say to yourself or your team say to you, okay, great job, now take them out, now finish the fight, you know, end the fight on, on, on a high note. And neither one of them did it. They were both, you know, okay with, with the decisions. And I think it, it was bad for, for the fans. And I wonder if, you know, all those fans you heard booing at, at the Barclays Center who like to come out for fights are going to have second thoughts next time. Well, I mean, when you look at an undercard that is kind of mediocre, too, and you find out what they're paying for tickets, um, I think you question, you know, where do you spend your money? And with them, with PBC coming back in March, you know, I think people are going to look at that, that card a little harder if you're a boxing fan in New York and say, do I really want to spend my money? Um, or can I just sit home and watch these three fights and whatever else I, I can get streamed or whatever? Um, you know, it, it, you need some pomp and circumstance. And I've heard people, you know, kind of match sometimes for doing the Logan Paul fights, but, man, those are selling. 
I've had more kids at my son's school come up to me and be like, you're Sean's mom? Are you going to the Logan Paul or the Jake Paul fight? You know, and, and it's like 500 elementary school kids now are going to watch fight next week because of what they're doing. And, you know, Sean's sitting there going, no, but I know Demetrius Sandra. You know, so that creates a whole other conversation. So, you know, I, I think some promoters are, are doing it in a different way to, to get people excited about what they're watching. And other promoters need to start to take note. Well, I, I think I, 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 I'm glad to hear the, the, the elementary level kids are, are following the sport. <laughs> no, I, I mean that. I, I, I really, I, I'm, that, that's a positive uh, for us. But, um, you know, the problem I have with the PBC is that what it appears that they do is create fans of their fighters, not fans of the sport. So if their fighter goes down or the fighter doesn't, you know, uh, do well and, and or leaves the sport, so will that fan base. There's where I think they're selling the sport uh, short. You know, their fighters are never really in tough, tough fights. Um, you know, you got like the Charlo brothers who I find myself constantly uh, you know, criticizing, but the truth of the matter is, is they don't fight anybody, but yet they talk the smack that they're the best, and it just scares me that, you know, here they are, they they, they are on TV, uh, we are seeing the fighters, but we're not seeing them cross the lines, we're not seeing them fight, uh, you know, uh, challenging fights, and you, you just wonder how long that fan base is going to stick with them. Well, I wonder how long all those fighters are going to stick with them because um, if you look at the fighters that you know they signed initially and how many of those fighters are still there um, you know a, a good portion of them have moved on because they did realize that you know this, I can't fight out of this this group you know why can't I fight the top dogs they talk like they want to fight the top dogs like you say but you know how much of it comes down to the promoter and not the fighter I, I think 90% of it here, unfortunately, is the promoter not wanting to play nice with other promoters. And, and essentially that ends up screwing the fighter. And, you know, those fans, you're right, that are those fighters' fans based on what the PBC created, don't follow them because they don't end up fighting anybody else. They talked about Pacquiao last night. I've heard other fighters talk about a variety of fighters that aren't PBC fighters, you know, that they should fight, but they probably never will. Well, that's the sad part. Um, Pacquiao, if he does fight Danny uh, Garcia, you know, Pacquiao doesn't have anything left to prove. I, you know, I mean, if I'm Pacquiao, I hang him up as it is. But uh, Demetrius Andre uh, is fighting uh, on Thursday, and I think I just lost you. Um, yep, I did. Well, I was going to get Emily's thoughts on uh, – I know she's traveling. She was up uh, uh, late. Uh, last night and uh, uh, hopefully we can uh, we can get her back but uh, I was asking about Demetrius Andre but uh, I have a uh, I have a, a couple of more emails uh, this one uh, is from my man Rick he says uh, hey Billy see I know your biggest criticism of Wilder has been his promotional team and I agree with some of of your criticism but I'm still kind of split on this issue I've always appreciated Al Heyman and the PBC's format of putting fights on free TV and it's one reason I haven't been as critical of them for airing so many showcase type fights even though they're they've mixed in some competitive matchups from time to time 
I believe Wilder didn't even start fighting on cable until his rematch with Stavern, so he's actually defending his heavyweight championship on regular TV for a bit, which I think is pretty cool and pretty unique, and it doesn't get enough credit. I'm actually surprised this didn't generate more of a following for him in the U.S. How big of a superstar do you think Wilder uh, would have been with Don King as his promoter? And I'm not talking about the 90-year-old Don King. I mean the Don King from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. If there was some way to make that happen, could he have been bigger than Tyson? It's an interesting question. Um, you know, the, 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 the fact... I do. I do think that Wilder uh, could have been a bigger star. Um, the, the the simple fact that he doesn't have the talent is an issue for me. Mike Tyson had talent, and he had that, that persona. He was a full package. Uh, towards the end of his career, the talent didn't shine through, and a lot of his personal and mental issues uh, clouded his, his talent but when you go back and watch him he was very hard to hit he delivered his punches uh, with with you know uh, power obviously um, head movement uh, broke his fighters down sometimes it didn't take long uh, he, he was a well-rounded uh, boxer uh, Deontay's not Deontay's a one-trick pony he's got a knockout punch that's it he's got no footwork uh, no coordination um, you know, it, zero defense, you, you know, you get close to him. But, but his power has, you know, been his savior for his whole career. The fact that the PBC has been on free TV, I, I you know, uh, respectfully disagree uh, with my man Rick. Um, yes, I agree that free TV, watching boxing on free TV is, is cool. And that's the way it used to be. And that's how fighters used to gain recognition. But the fact that they're in non-competitive fights and the fact that the PBC is trying to, to, to um, you know, keep their own, have their own world uh, and not cross over and fight other promoters and stuff um, is preventing uh, the creation of, of um, you know, long-term boxing fans. They are creating fighter fans. And the free TV aspect is not really gaining those boxing fans. What boxing needs are boxing fans. And I say that, I know it sounds stupid, but I mean what I mean by that is it needs fans of the sport, not so much fans of the fighter. Now, don't get me wrong. Every fan of the sport of boxing has their favorite fighters, whether they're from uh, current times or whether they're from previous times uh so you're always going to have your favorite fighter but you have to be a fan of the sport in order for it to succeed it's if you look at the success of of professional football or baseball or basketball you know you're dealing with uh lifelong fans um that are born into it or become a fan and then uh, they're a fan for life regardless of what happens whether their team wins or loses it's a little different in boxing because the careers aren't lifelong. You can't be, I've been a Jet fan since I'm eight years old. I'm a lifelong Jet fan. My kids are Jet fans. My grandkids are Jet fans. Unfortunately for them, I fostered on them. But the truth of the matter is, is, you know, you have generations of fans. In boxing, um, it, it's great to have generations of boxing fans. But what I'm seeing today 
is that we're seeing fans of specific fighters. Um, Floyd Mayweather is a great example. He has fans and haters. Um, Floyd's not around to, to watch his fights or, or to hate him, uh, you know, to, to watch him lose. How many of those fans are still involved with the sport? Um, you know, you, you mentioned Deontay Wilder, Rick, and, you know, he's got a lot of fans uh, that love to see him do the stupid, say stupid things and, and do the crazy stuff and, and look for his devastating knockouts. But when he loses, how many of them are going to stick around? That's my thought. Thanks for the email. And uh, finally, um, I got a uh, message from uh, my man Augie from Riverhead, Long Island. And he says, hey, Billy C., uh, I've been forgetting who knocked Rocky Marciano uh, down in sparring. And to his knowledge, it was the only time. And uh, uh, I, I couldn't think of his name. You know, and I'm like, oh, who's the guy? Who's the guy? Who's the guy? So I reached out to the walking boxing encyclopedia, my man, Henry Haskup. And uh, in, in literally five minutes later, he sends to me uh, an email and he says, uh, hey, Billy C., it was great hearing from you. The fighter's name was Toxie Hall. Here's a story to go with it. He says Toxie Hall was a heavyweight and he had a piece of the rock every day. And according to them, he said most of the sparring partners would get hurt in their rib cage and wore football pads to protect them, said Toxie Hall. But for some reason, that was the toughest part of my body. It didn't bother me much. The thing that is, is that Rocky couldn't do much if you crowded him. But if you gave him room, he'd knock you out. If he hurt me a little bit, I'd turn and run. The one slight exception was when they were preparing for Marciano's defense against uh, Don Cockle in San Francisco on May 16, 1955. Before they got into the ring to spar, Hall mentioned that the champion was carrying his right hand low and exposing his chin. Marciano said, why don't you just hit me then? So Hall recalled and said, I hit him with the left hook and down he went. The press was there, and the incident, the incident got worldwide coverage. Marciano said nothing at the time, but the next day, when they were doing road work together, the champion stopped and said, Toxie, you son of a biatch, you knocked me down in front of all those guys. But uh, the truth of the matter was, was that Marciano wasn't really upset. Uh, both he and uh, Toxie Hall laughed about it, and uh, Hall commented and said, Rocky Marciano really enjoyed the rough stuff. So uh, I appreciate my man, uh, um, Henry Haskup, for uh, giving me that info. And uh, I want to thank uh, uh, um, uh, Augie from Riverhead uh, for uh, reaching out. Um, the fight this weekend, the two fights, I'll, I'll give you my breakdowns and predictions. Uh, Luke Keeler going up against Dimitri Sandre. I don't think it's going to be very competitive, uh, but Keeler... Uh, who's got a record of 17-2 uh, and two, uh, with uh, one of his uh, losses being uh, knocked out. But ironically enough, both of the losses came uh, at the hands of Tom Duran. He's uh, 32 years old, 5 foot 10 and a half out of Ireland. He's ranked number 28 in the world uh, at middleweight. He's got two um, wins of his 17 that I give him credit for, just two. His last fight... Um, was against Luis Arias, 
which he won a 10-round uh, decision. It was his best win as a pro. Uh, the other win I give him credit for, although the record doesn't look impressive, was back in 2016 when he fought and won an eight-round decision over Bradley Price. Bradley Price uh, is is a quality fighter despite uh, what his record looks like. Uh, but aside from that, uh, Tom Duran was uh, a fighter that he fought that was decent and he lost to him both times. The rest of the opponents were not very dangerous. He steps in with Demetrius Andrade, who's a talented fighter. Uh, ranked number seven in the world at middleweight, he's a southpaw, six foot one, uh, thirty-one years old, undefeated as a pro, twenty-eight zero with seventeen knockouts. Um, you know he's fought some tough guys, not the greatest. Um, he's a talented guy, but not exciting. Um, I, you know, I don't know what's in store. We talked a little bit about Demetrius Andrade earlier in the show. I don't know what's in store for him and his long-term future, but I do know he's going to get the win uh, on Thursday. So, But the fight that uh, that intrigues me the most uh, on that card is the title fight for the uh, IBF uh, Super Featherweight Championship, which is uh, right now belongs to Tevin Farmer. He's the champ. He's uh, ranked number seven in the world at Super Featherweight. He's five foot six. 67-inch reach. Uh, he's a southpaw fighter. He's got a record of 30 wins, uh, six of them only, coming by knockout. He uh, lost four times in which he was stopped twice. One of those stoppages were against Jose Pedraza. Uh, the other uh, three losses came early in his career. He, he fought and lost to Pedraza uh, back in uh, 2012. Um, he has turned his career around. He's got some decent wins. But when I look at his resume... I give him credit for, I got to be honest, only uh, a couple of uh, bigger names. Uh, he did beat Ivan Redkoch and he beat Dallas Prescott um, in in, uh, in fights uh, back in uh, Prescott in 2015 and Redkoch in 2016. His last six fights were against decent opposition. Nothing great, but decent opposition. Um, you know, uh, he's a good fighter. He's a good boxer. I like him because he has come up the hard way. Was never handed anything. Uh, 264 rounds as a professional. Uh, he does have one draw. Uh, I like Tevin Farmer. And he's not afraid to fight anybody, although his resume doesn't scream with big, uh, big names. He takes on Jojo Diaz, who's ranked number 11 in the world at Super Featherweight. He's uh, a southpaw as well. Uh, he's the same height as uh, Tevin Farmer at six, uh, five foot six, um, but he's given up three inches in reach. Um, his record is thirty wins with fifteen coming by knockout, with only one loss. His one loss was his world title challenge against Gary Russell Jr. Uh, back in May of twenty eighteen. His last ten fights, like I said earlier, uh, with the exception of uh, uh, his very last fight, uh, have been against all very good opposition. Uh, so he has a record of 9-1 uh, and one, uh, against, uh, um, you know, uh, good op- very good opposition. He's got wins over Freddy Francesca, uh, Charles Hirata, uh, Jesus Rojas. He lost to Russell Jr., but uh, Victor Terrazas, um, Rafael Rivera, uh, Manuel Avila, uh, Horatio Garcia, all all really good fighters, and Andrew Cancio, which was a decent fighter, Ruben Tamayo, Rene Alvarado, all big wins over these guys. 
um, Jason Valiz. Um, you know, Joseph Diaz is a, is a body puncher, and I, I love this kid. He's fast. Uh, you know, he's uh, uh, only, he's two years younger. I don't know if age is going to make a difference, um, but I do believe that Jojo Diaz had a tougher, uh, um, you know, uh, I guess I guess the best way to say it is he's 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 got a tougher resume. He's got a better resume to show. I'm picking Jojo Diaz in an upset. I think he beats Tevin Farmer, and uh, I think he's going to work the body, and I think he's got to take some chances in this fight. Tevin Farmer's a boxer. He's going to box him. And uh, obviously, the one guy that gave Jojo Diaz trouble was, you know, Gary Russell Jr., who's a, who's a very good boxer. But I think the thing that really gave Jojo Diaz trouble was Gary Russell's hand speed. Something Tevin Farmer, he's got decent speed, but not uh, Gary Russell's speed. I'm picking Jojo Diaz in an upset. Listen, boys and girls, I appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, and uh, feel free to drop me an email, get your comments, questions, or concerns read on the air. So just uh, email me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Make sure you tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.